Hey, Aldo's mom, come and record the Drift Ad. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Drift Outfitters in downtown Toronto, Ontario. Drift Outfitters is your source for all things fly fishing. From waders and boots to thread and feathers, Drift has it all. Check in on their website for their latest updates and policies regarding shopping during the pandemic. Curbside pickup for your online and phone orders is a great way to get the gear you need. And... They're shipping for free across Canada on orders over 100 bucks. Visit driftoutfitters.com to learn more. Driftoutfitters.com. I remember the first time I went to the Credit River to fish. I went with my Uncle Joe. I'd moved to Toronto from Ottawa to work in advertising. And as excited as I was to be in the city, starting off a career in an industry I found interesting, I was equally excited to be finally fishing trout consistently. See, where I lived in Ottawa, I I didn't have the trout resources Southern Ontario does. Sure, there were spots to go fishing for trout, but not like down here. Down here in Toronto or the GTA, you can drive 30, 40 minutes and be into pristine trout fishing waters, like really beautiful, lush, wild places. And that close to a major city, it's pretty unreal. We talk about it often on the show, how lucky we are uh, to be able to drive a stone's throw away and not only catch a variety of species, but be in really beautiful places. The first trip to the upper credit for me was eye-opening. I just was shocked, really that a river like this existed here. Even the drive up as I got closer, the landscape quickly changed, the terrain got rockier, hillier, the foliage got thicker. It was like going through some portal, like Narnia, like a fishing Narnia. I parked my car, the air was so fresh, it was early in the season. We met up on the banks of the river and Joe started showing me the ropes. He took me to his favorite spots, showed me what to look for when chasing trout, and even told me about some of the history of the river. To be honest, most of my first time fishing the credit is a blur. It was a bit of an overload. It was like this, you know, this is a short drive from my tiny apartment in the center of Toronto. Okay. That afternoon, watching Joe fish one of his favorite pools as the sun began to fall, I understood what we had. This place is extremely special. Hey, this is Josh D'Angelo, longtime angler of the Upper Credit. Hey everybody, it's uh, Jeff Parks with Calm Waters Fly Fishing. Hey, this is Demisha from Brown Girl Outdoor World. I'm Alex Parks. I'm a guide with Calm Waters Fly Fishing. I'm a host of the television show, The New Fly Fisher. So I first learned to fly fish, stumbling around, chasing brook trout. The the credit means so much to me because I have been fishing it for probably about 45 years now. Over 15 years and three kids later, I still make time during the week to walk its banks. I started fishing the Credit maybe four, four years ago. It was the first time I actually fished on the Credit River. This river housed the very first brookies that I've ever caught. The Credit River and its wild trout is an absolute blessing, considering how close it is to a major city. You know, these beautiful fire red gems just leaping out of the water. When people are coming in from Toronto or coming in from Europe, let's say, when I get some clients and I tell them we were heading up into the uh, Credit River, a lot of them Google it. And when they Google it, they they send me notes back saying, wow, this is pretty unique. For me, it's unique because the place that you, you know, when you look at the Credit, you're not thinking thinking Toronto, you're not thinking Ontario, you're not not thinking close to the city. 
but you can get on the credit and feel like you've been transported to a whole different place, a whole different time. My kids love tagging along when I go to the West Branch to play along the banks and help me catch them brook trout. We are visitors to them, you know? we That is not our own world, it is theirs. And the credit is, is magical specifically in that way. It, it really tells that story. How can you have such a fantastic wild river fishery, wild trout fishery, um, 35 minutes from Toronto, a five million plus people urban area, and you've got this wild trout, this is unheard of. The wild trout need to be protected. Anything wild needs to be protected. And as humans, that's what we need to do. Uh, we are supposed to be the smarter ones. It's the canary in the coal mine. It's the, it's the, uh, if you don't look after the water, you're not looking after the environment. It's a space that needs, right now, a big space that needs protection. Uh, you know, and I think it has to start with the brook trout. I love brown trout, I love steelhead, I love Atlantic salmon, but I am most afraid of losing the brook trout because it is an indicator species. You know what they say, if it, brook trout can live in it, you can drink it. So with that gone, What's left? What's left? Although getting to the upper credit can feel like you're heading into a portal, a portal to fishing Narnia, the credit is part of our world. I know it's hard to believe. And being so close to a big city means it's also close to serious development in the GTA. As the city expands and the towns around it grow, the credit becomes encroached upon. Year after year, it becomes a little less remote. And with that comes problems big problems that could affect the river in big ways, like killing off entire fish species, native fish that have existed in the river since forever. One of the biggest problems facing the credit right now is taking place near the town of Aaron on the West Credit River. In this episode, we're going to talk about the problem facing the West Credit. Why is a sewage treatment plant being built now? Why is the effluence being dumped into a small, cold river like the West Credit? Doesn't the town care about this resource? Who's downriver and what do they have to say about it? Who is standing up for the fish? We first heard about this problem when we were contacted by two guys, John and Dean. John and Dean are avid fly anglers right here in Southern Ontario. They belong to the Isaac Walton Fishing Club, enjoy spending time on the Credit River, and of course live busy full lives outside of fly fishing. But when they caught wind of the treatment plant, they knew they had to get to work. Along with many other people fighting to stop this plant from being built, John and Dean have spent months raising awareness around the issue and taking action to stop it. Myself, Aldo, and Yilma had the chance to sit down with John and Dean and ask them questions in regards to this project. Throughout this episode, you're going to hear that interview, as well as some other interviews with other people involved. We hope you enjoy this special episode of SoFly, the fight to save the West Credit. Hey, Aldo. Hey, Aldo. hey Yilma. Hey, guys. Hey, how's it going, Mitchie? Good. How you guys doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Why don't we just start with Aldo? You talking about your first trip to the credit? Okay. Um, so I just I moved to Toronto in two thousand nine. Um, I didn't have a car. Um, grew up in Ottawa, much like you, Mitch. And um, <clears throat> but I remember I got I got I got a Zipcar membership when that that came out. And the first thing I did. <laughs> was uh, research places to go, and I drove up to the credit. And, you know, growing up in Ottawa, you don't have trout streams. You go to upstate New York because that's close and it's beautiful, but it's all stocked. And you read magazines and you see these places of, like, gin clear streams and wild fish. And the first place I went to on the credit was was, was the Grange. 
and I remember parking at that little bridge. Um, it's a much nicer bridge these days, but it's a. When we're parking at that little bridge, looking at the water and being like, "What?" <laughs> being a bit intimidated, but ma- mainly being being like so pleasantly surprised that this extraordinarily clear stream um, existed here. And then as I kept exploring that day on the Grange and and up in Bell Fountain, I, I think the first time I fished the West Credit was was when I fished the Bell Fountain um, conservation area. And I was just astounded that these little wild brookies were there. And, and I remember I uh, I didn't know as much about fly fishing as I do now. And, and I think I was just using like a Royal Coachman or something funny, you know. But brookies love Royal Coachman. I don't know what it is. They love it. And, uh, you know, this, this, this little trout came up. I didn't catch anything all day. And then this little trout came up like a little secret out of nowhere, grabbed the fly. And I looked at it and it was like, the, you know, a little eight-inch brookie. And uh, it was so beautiful. And uh, at that moment, I was just like, I can't believe this is 40 minutes from my house in downtown Toronto. I can crazy. bartend on weekends and have the river to myself on Monday and Tuesday. Sign me up. Yeah. Yilma, what's like one of your like favorite memories from fishing the credit over the years? Well, I learned to fish on the credit. Yeah. Because remember, I was That's born right. in, in Trinidad. And when I came to Canada, we moved to Mississauga. And... Uh, little diaspora action and um yeah i learned to fish that's where i learned to fish that's where i fell in love with the water and that's where i fell in love with um that beautiful river uh and it just curbed my love for fishing and then when i started fly fishing which was about six years ago with you mitch um if it wasn't for those beautiful little brookies that we were catching on those dry flies single barbless oak by the way um I, I wouldn't have, I, I wouldn't have been as as excited on my first day on the river fly fishing as I would have been as I was um, that day catching those little brookies. Um, yeah. Yeah, you That's, started fishing on the credit like for bass and stuff when you were a kid when you came from Tobago. Yeah, not even bad like rainbows. Right. We catch we'd catch rainbows. We would. Um, well, I thought there were rainbows, but I guess they're. Might have been steelhead. Who knows? You never know. Like some of them that we caught. Um, I mean, we weren't fly fishing, but you know, um, like I would frequent that river at, almost every day because that's how close I was to it. I was like basically on the river, and right, uh, like yeah, as a kid, you'd like ride your bike down. Exactly, would ride. I ride my bike down with my my friends. Um, catch. Sorry to say this, poor froggies, but catch little froggies, tadpoles, you know, do the thing the kids would do and, you know, fish. Yeah. Always had my rod with me in my bat, my backpack and, yeah, and we'd catch any, anywhere from suckers to smallmouth to, yeah, to pike to rainbows on the credit. Yeah. Was it when you started fly fishing that you fished the upper credit for the first time? Fished the upper credit for the first time with you, Mitch. Right, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Is Good that time. the question? Basically, I repeated the same question you said. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, <I'm> so <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> yeah. 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 Credit before that. Yeah. But yeah, no. no I remember no. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that. I remember you. The first thing you said when we got there, like, "Whoa, this is like upstate New York." You know, yeah. this is so it beautiful. It really is. Right. Yeah. It's <clears throat> it's as beautiful, if not more beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's 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 really it's it's it is a really unique system. Because you do have the West Credit with the little brookies, and then the main stem with the, with the brook. Well, still brookies and browns and 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 now rainbows and, mm-hmm. um, 
Yeah. I don't know. Just the whole thing cascades, you know, starts in, you know, the Halton Highlands there and <clears throat> Bell Fountain and tumbles down the, the escarpment. And well, yeah, this might be a perfect time to like pass it to the interview that we did because Dean explains this like really perfectly, like what the West Credit is. Um, Dean, why don't you just kind of explain what the West Credit is? What is the West Credit River? Um, yeah, so so the West Credit is, um, the, I guess you'd say the Credit River is a one of the major tributaries in the greater Toronto area. So it's on the west side of Toronto in Mississauga. And I, I guess as you go further up the West Credit River, generally the water gets cleaner and the fishing conditions get better. And so the West Credit River is a branch of the Credit um, that's sort of, uh, I guess you say known or not known in the sense that it's known by anybody who's sort of a geologist and a biologist. And if you look at some good brook trout papers in Toronto, they'll say, oh, you know, we, we studied this population in the West Credit River of brook trout. So when I say it's known and not known, I guess I would say it's known to geologists and biologists, but not that well known as a really good fishing spot by fly fishermen. Um, and this this particular section of, of river has incredibly high good water quality and it supports a really good population of brook trout and i'm not sure john if you want to add to that but that is my sort of my summary of the west credit no you you you, you did it justice dean what i would add is uh, it is a native self-reproducing uh, population of brook trout and in the upper they're they're kind of uh, segregated from the lower credit by um, uh, some drop-offs in in the river at the cataract uh, falls on the main stem as well as uh, a little downstream on the west credit you've got a, a dam at the bell fountain conservation area so it keeps the native brook trout uh, upstream and browns and rainbows would be uh, down below in the lower watershed one of the, the neat features of the credit river is there's this a large waterfall called the cataract and it and it's a, so the the fish come out of lake ontario and it's kind of like the fish that come out of lake ontario it's kind of a soup right there's like there's you know, Pacific, there's salmon, there's there's browns, there's rainbow. They sort of come out of Lake Ontario and they head up the credit. And there's a place called the cataract where you have this big waterfall and none of the migratory fish get above the cataract. And generally, if you fish above the cataract, which is called the upper credit, you'd be into, you know, really clean water and brook trout. And, and sort of below the cataract, you would be into these, a mixture of migratory fish, you know, good brown trout population. And this particular section is below the cataract, but it's sort of off on the west side of the credit and is protected by this dam at the Bellfound Conservation Area. And it has really high water quality, so it allows the brook trout, even though there are some migratories in there, they generally get held out by this low dam. And then the water quality and the coldness of the water allows the brook trout to outcompete the other fish. John, do you have anything like, in your words, that makes it like what what makes this part of the river so special to you? Uh, to me, I I do consider it my home waters. Uh, I only introduced to it a few years ago, and uh, I guess what makes it so special. I live in Toronto, um, in the GTA, including Hamilton. You're looking at probably close to six million people, and within an hour's drive of my home in the big city, I can be in a uh, sitting in a in the, in the river in my waders. No sounds other than the, the rushing water and uh, able to catch native brook trout. Uh, you know, what I consider the most uh, beautiful trout uh, there is. So for me, that's, uh, I, I really, really love love the area. And I think there's lots of other anglers. You don't have to be an angler to love, love that area. It's a clean, cool uh, nature mm -hmm. the way it should be. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of like, I mean, like Dean, is, is this kind of thing rare in Southern Ontario? I mean, 
yeah, we don't have a ton of these sort of spots to go to. Like, what, you know, what, why is the spot so unique? Um, I guess, like, I think I would say, you know, if, if you're a brook trout fisherman, it's, it's a readily accessible area to fish for native fish. Um, you know, and it's like, I guess they, I would say in Southern Ontario, it's probably the, you know, one of the best remaining self-sustaining brook trout populations. There are, so you got to be careful when you say about brook trout because they kind of show up in a lot of places. You know, if the water is cold and they've been undisturbed, they can be there. So finding them is kind of like a, it's almost like an art or it's like a challenge to go out and find brook trout in wherever you live. Um, but this West Credit River is a, is a really strong self-sustaining population that's been there for a long time and, and, and is doing well currently. Right. I mean, I think you guys hit it on the head. Like I live in downtown, we all live in downtown Toronto and within 45 minutes, depending on traffic, of course, but within 45 minutes I can be fishing for, for wild brook trout in like an extraordinarily clean stream. And I know everybody that I take out there that might not, that might be new to the area. I mean, I'll even say myself included when I first moved to Toronto from Ottawa, the first time I went to the credit river, I was like, this is this close to downtown Toronto, like it's pretty remarkable. I mean, we could talk about the whole river if we really wanted to and how amazing it is to catch steelhead in the middle of Mississauga, but sticking to the upper credit, 45 minutes away, you're catching wild brook trout and naturalized browns. Um, it's pretty incredible, I think, and with such a high population density. You meet you know? people from like Huntsville and they're like, you guys have brook trout down there? Like there, like there are brook trout in Southern Ontario, and they're like, yeah, like just outside Toronto, <laughs> there, there are brook trout. You know what I mean? Like that's like you know they thought they thought they only had them in Northern Ontario, but they're there, right? It's unique. So, what is the problem facing the West Credit River? How long, this podcast, how long is this podcast? How long is this podcast? No, usually we have an yeah. hour. Usually <laughs> we have an hour. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, Dean. Dean, jump in anymore. Um, it, uh, the, uh, the town of Irn, it's, it's a municipality, um, uh, that, uh, includes, uh, most of, uh, a good portion of the, uh, West Credit River. Mm-hmm. Like any municipality, uh, uh, in, in Ontario, it's, it's growing. It actually has pretty big plans to grow its population. Uh, be, being so close to the city, you have, uh, developers with interest in, in, uh, uh, constructing residential, commercial, uh, developments. Uh, easily commutable, you get a bit of that uh, country lifestyle. Uh, so for the municipality, you've got uh, a population of approximately 4,500 people, and everybody in that municipality is on a septic system. And in their wisdom, the town of Erin figures well to, to promote, uh, promote growth and to attract growth, particularly with a, a big subdivision that might have up to upwards of 1,500 units, residential units, the only way that developer is really going to take that on is if there's a sewage treatment plant, wastewater treatment plant operational so they can get rid of, you know what, uh, it's got to go somewhere and they don't want it sticking around the property. They want it to discharge somewhere else. So to go through uh, approvals for a, for a project like that, it's a fairly long, intensive study. Usually takes a couple of years. There's a, there's a government process. It's called the Class Environmental Assessment. And the proponent, in this case the town, hires a, a high-priced consultant to go through a variety of studies. Uh, they look at uh, options, and it's basically to ensure that the stakeholders, people that are interested in it, whether it be 
the, the citizens or government agencies or conservation groups uh, like ourselves should have an opportunity to comment during that uh, study period on what exactly is, is happening with respect to the design and, and what kind of a plant they're going to you know, want to build. Uh, the problem was a lot of organizations were not in the loop at that time and the uh, project was in theory approved back in 2019 by our provincial minister of the environment and uh, climate change. Uh, Minister, Minister, I think it's Environment, the, uh, Conservation, I mean, and Parks. MEC, parks, right, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. Right. So that, so that uh, has been approved by the uh, Minister of Environment, Conservation, and Park back in August 2019. And in the last six or so months, we've, we've take, taken exception to that. Uh, we have a, a coalition of citizens groups and uh, conservation groups that have looked very closely at the study report that was compiled for that project. And we found a lot of, a lot of gaps, a lot of inconsistencies, a lot of uh, uh, lack of stakeholder consultation to the degree where we firmly believe that this project should have a closer scrutiny, which we hope will happen via our taking this uh, project uh, and, and a request to the federal government for them to uh, institute what's called a federal impact assessment. Right, 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 right. So, so basically, like this whole wastewater plant thing was kind of just getting pushed forward without people being consulted. There, there was there was consultant uh, consulting. Uh, a lot of people did uh, uh, chime in, but there were a lot of groups that weren't, weren't included, and uh, some, of the, some of the groups at the table right now were not in, uh, included at the time. Uh, which we feel is a, is a fault in the in the consultation process that that uh, that went on, and and we're doing our best, we're doing our best right now to uh, again point out those uh, those problems and uh, take it to the federal government and they have they do have the power to institute a federal environmental impact assessment. So yeah, quick like quickly to summarize the sewage plant going in. Obviously, we we don't want effluents in the river. Given that, let's say, it's perfectly clean, even though obviously, you know, we can talk about the, you know, shortcomings of, of that system, but but let's just say, for argument's sake, it's perfectly clean. It's getting dumped into the river at a higher temperature. The water is getting, the treated water is getting dumped at a higher temperature, um, which would drastically change the temperature of the West Credit River, which is a cold water stream, thus impacting... Um, the brook trout uh, population. Uh, maybe, Dean, uh, you know, what's the problem with increasing water temperature? So, so it's, I mean, it's, it's like, you gotta be careful because you've got, you've got two technical people on your podcast here. So we'll try not to go overboard, but, <laughs> yeah. but to try to, 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 I guess to sort of summarize is what, what there are is Ontario, there's, there's a uh, provincial water quality objectives, which says you yeah. can only, you can only degrade water quality, you know, to this, to this level of pollutants. Okay? Right. okay, and the Credit River is is much cleaner. <laughs> the West Credit River is much cleaner than this. Okay, it's much cleaner than this than this provincial water quality objectives. So the the plant, as it's currently designed, is going to use a new technology called a membrane technology, which will meet those provincial water quality objectives. Um, the problem is, is the provincial water quality objectives are more uh, like they are they are, I guess I would say, not survivable uh, for the fish. 
So, so some of the, when the effluent comes into the river, you're dealing with oxygen levels, you're dealing with ammonia levels, you're dealing with the phosphorus levels, which meet the provincial water quality objectives, but which are still going to be toxic to fish at the effluent location and for some distance downstream. And then in addition to that, this, this, the membrane technology has actually gotten so good that they can meet these, they can put so much effluent in that they're, they're adding they're, they are adding enough effluent to change the thermal characteristics of the river. Mm-hmm. And so part of the um, en- environmental assessment was, so this is, it's kind of a unique case because if you typically you're, you're, you know, you're sending this effluent into somewhere like Lake Ontario or the St. Lawrence River or Owen Sound Bay or a large body of water, <laughs> where it doesn't really matter. Right, a little bit of effluent's not going to change the temperature of the water, but in this particular case, they they have they do have relatively clean effluent. It's not good enough for fish to live in, but it is clean, and it goes into the river. And it's such a small receiving body, and they are they're able to clean it up that they they are adding so much effluent that they're going to change the thermal characteristics of the river. And and there was a thermal assessment done. This this was realized. So there, there was a this was a raised as a as a point of contention in the environmental assessment process. Um, there was a thermal assessment done, and like the thermal assessment was very weak and very very narrow. Um, you know, it used one year of sewage plant data from a similar sewage plant that was 2017. That was the coldest year in the last 11 years. So, yeah. so they said, oh, look, the, the, you know, the effluence only, only reaches 20 degrees, but they sort of yeah. picked this year that is the coldest year in the last decade, right? Yeah. And, and, and then, and then the, so you produce this thermal assessment, and then you know, the minister reads it, and really you're, you're dealing with a government that is really pro-development. So the minister reads it and goes, oh, yeah, okay, this is good enough. You know, I, I, I can rubber stamp this. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then there's their approval. And then once they get the approval, everybody hides behind the ministerial approval. But my, I mean, the, you know, we have several issues with the plant as it is currently designed. Um, you know, one is that, um, you know, the effluent, the the composition of the effluent. Yes, it will meet provincial water quality objectives, but it does not meet the guide the the guidelines for, um, uh, you know, aquatic environments. And the second is is that the, you know, it's going to be too warm. It's going to cause um, change the ecosystem of the West Credit River. Yeah, that, that the temperature. I mean, we've we've said how many times now, uh, native brook trout, uh, cold water stream, and cold water trout. That's synonymous. Uh, Nineteen degrees uh, centigrade. Yeah, brook trout. Uh, it's uh, you know it's been proven they start to stress out. You get upwards of twenty three, twenty four, and uh, you uh, you're you're de- you're dealing a death blow, pretty close to it. Uh, just. Add in the fact that responsible fishermen, and I know that uh, you guys uh, uh, work work alongside drift outfitters and ourselves. You have a stream uh, thermometer that you take along. If you're brook trout fishing, if that stream is much yeah. more than 19, you really shouldn't be fishing, even if it's catch and release. And again, it's been proven that uh, even with catch and release, you're going to have problems with those fish uh, down the road. They might look fine, but they are really stressed out. So yeah. that that temperature is critical. And as Dean has uh, has described, they during the study they have not adequately addressed what that temperature impact would be. They haven't used sufficient amount of data. They haven't uh, accommodated for climate change uh, in terms of temperature increases. You're going to have nat- you're you're going to have you know, climate change uh, increasing groundwater temperature, air temperature, natural stream temperatures, storm runoff. All that is increasing. Mm-hmm. They have to build some sort of a buffer in to manage that temperature increase over time. 
and this plant yeah. is uh, we're looking at operating period up to 50 years uh they have to do something proactive to ensure that those temperatures are kept down for the survival of of native brook trout so can we stop this like are, where are we at in the process of that try like what can we do so i mean at, at this point the, like the the best thing that could happen would be for the uh, federal minister of the environment, Jonathan Wilkinson, to designate the project. And and that's that's not often done for wastewater treatment plants because they're typically handled at the municipal or the provincial level. Um, but he could designate this because it impacts fish species, which are, which are under federal jurisdiction, brook trout, and there's a endangered red side dace in the area as well. He could mm-hmm. designate this project and require parts or all of it to go through a federal impact assessment, which really is a redo of the environmental assessment where they could put on the table all kinds of options like, um, you know, subsurface discharge, redesign mm-hmm. of the plant to cool the effluent, um, mm-hmm. you know, effluent criteria, temperature temperature criteria for the effluent going into the river, um, and adding those things, and, and that another assessment that allows those things to be added um, c- could save the brook trout in this river, for sure. Save the brook trout in the river, the ultimate goal. But between seeing that goal through and where we are now, it feels like there's a forest of red tape. I mean, having this case designated by the federal minister, Jonathan Wilkinson, would be a huge step towards saving this river and saving these fish. But how the hell would that get done? I mean, to have this case be brought into the federal spotlight, well, it's going to take a lot of people, a lot of passionate people. Hello, Ken speaking. Hey, Ken, how's it going? It's uh, Mitch calling from SoFly. I know I, I sent you an email there. Oh, you did, Mitch. How are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? I'm I'm, uh, I'm fine. I'm fine for that interview. I'm just, I've got a bunch of contractors in the house here okay. because, uh, and, it's, and I'm just going to get out of the way. I just got to speak. Uh, Is this a good time to chat or do you want me to call back later? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a perfect time. Okay, okay. That's Ken Cowling. Ken is a longtime resident of the town of Aaron. He's retired in his 70s, spends his days hiking down and around the Credit River. And Ken, he's fired up. Like, sit on a toilet next to a river in minus 30 weather for the month of February fired up. Yeah, she's quite the interesting scenario we're up against here, isn't it, Mitch? Yeah, it really, really is. Uh, it's uh, uh, it's absolute. And, you know, I'm involved with a group here, Mitch. And, and, you know, the more I've read into it, I'm more of a hands-on grunt kind of a guy. I, I was the guy going around knocking on doors, distributing signs. We've got about, I might be out, it's about 700 signs out there so far. Yeah. Uh, stop the sewage plant, save our, save the trout. And uh, then we did brochures, and I put brochures underneath it. You know the area, I'm sure, being a trout fisherman, right? Yep, totally. Yeah, well, so anyway, we've got brochures underneath every windshield wiper, oh, right awesome. from cataract down to cataract down to terracotta. Oh, I was wow. out on opening day. It was beautiful, and what a good reception we had there. So yeah. just, just to give you a heads up, our site, our, our little group now is getting a website together to try and wake up the lemmings here in Erin. Because... Uh, our yeah. town is uh, is so pro development, so yeah. pro development, and and the wool got pulled over our eyes, and I'm having a major major problem, and that there's a number out there that I'm still looking for, and I don't, I don't want to be quoted on it. A similar uh, capacity of the river, it, it, way back in 2013, 
Mm-hmm. And I got a copy of this from a guy by the name of John Kincaid. He was the hydrologist with Credit Valley Conservation. And when it was initially proposed 1,500 homes, he didn't think the capacity of the river was good enough for that many. And so he said, maybe Erin should consider just 500 homes, you know. And, and uh, yeah. all of a sudden, that number is 5,000. Oh, my gosh. I mean, did the, the, the river grow 10 times? That, not to my knowledge. And I'm going to tell you something. I have never experienced the rivers and ponds and streams as low as they are this year. I know. That's what I've been hearing. We're, we're in a drought. Yeah, it's like August and, uh, lows, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm on my back property now to get away from the noise of these generators and stuff. And uh, my goodness, uh, uh, you know, there's some numbers out there, and it's just so poor development. And when we're wanting to put these homes... It's the first batch is fifteen hundred a strip mall in the McDonald's, and it's the first of nine or ten I'm hearing. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. It's it's unbelievable the proposals. So anyway, I'm doing my due diligence trying to fight it. Yeah, and uh, I I don't know. Sometimes it's like farting against thunder, though, Mitch. I, I just <laughs> sometimes there's frustrating days with it, but uh, I'm giving it our best shot anyway. And and we got a ter- ter- terrific group. Do you know Steve Noakes and the like? Awesome guy. He's the guy who does all the drone footage for Trout Unlimited. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Have you seen some of the videos? I have, yeah. Oh, I was, I was just out there. What's today, Wednesday? Yeah, Monday. Monday I was out there and I bumped into uh, Steve. Yeah. And I'll tell you where we were. At the six-line culvert, that beautiful culvert there. Yeah. Right at Winston Churchill. And, you know, Mitch, isn't that astounding? How on one side of that culvert is Wellington County, that's my side, yep. and the other side is Peel, and the politicians allowed that in Peel? Yeah, it's true. Like, 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 there's, there's more to this than meets the eye. I'll tell you, if I was a resident of Peel, I, I would be camped out in front of the municipal office until I had answers. 100%. Yeah, it seems fishy, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. That word has come up so many times in the past two months, that word fishy. Yeah. You're damn right it is. I heard about the protest you were doing back in February, was it? Uh, yeah, I've been marching for about five months, yeah. Uh, I'm a hiker, and I love the outdoors, and I'm retired, and uh, and, and it, it truly was a, it was it is a mission. Like, I've got two boys and four grandkids, and I, when I, I'm an avid hiker, and when I go to the 10th Line Bridge, which is one of my, you know that bridge, the Bowstring Bridge, right? Yep. And then... I can sit there. I'm not ashamed to say that I, I've damn near cried. Uh, it's just pathetic. I just can't believe it's such an archaic way of, of, of getting rid of waste. You know what I mean? Not, it's not waste. It's treated affluent. Yeah. But the, the reality is once you do any research on these uh, plants, uh, there's stuff that doesn't get removed, i.e. microbe in the, in the uh, filtration process of any sewage plant that I've read. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get rid of microplastics, endotoxins, and medicinal ingredients that are in your body. And I just got a report last week, and I hope you got it. If not, I'd have to find it for you. And it was about where they caged some trout south of the discharge pipe in Orangeville and some north of the discharge pipe. And all the ones south died, and when they were dissected, they found them with liver damage and some uh, something yeah. in their gills. With the cause that I've taken up here, so many people have jumped on the bandwagon, and and now I get fed a bunch of technical data, and, and, and I'm not a technical guy. I'm not computer savvy. I can email, look up websites, and, uh, but to do 
certain tasks for me where it would take you two hours, it takes me five because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> can, can you just kind of set up a little bit about who you are and what your relationship is to the Credit River? Oh, you uh, should. I'm proud to say this. I'm 71 years of age, and I, uh, I, I've, uh, my dad brought me up to this area when I was at five years old. We used to terracotta forks of the credit. Hey, Mitch, I'm just going to say one thing. Yeah. I'm back at I'm back at one of the tributaries to the credit right now. Yeah. It's, and it's it's never been this low. You'd have to see it. Oh my gosh. It's yeah. un, and and so if it's this low. It's a very simple question. How do you get the assimilative capacity then? Yeah, exactly. like they're, they're trying to put 7.2 million liters of affluent in. I don't, I don't know what the number is. Of Obviously, you've got to have freshwater ratio to that. Yeah. Uh, whatever, two, three times. So there's different numbers for low water, different numbers for high water. Yeah. And so my point is this. And I know, uh, I know eventually a beaver dam. If, I, if, if you and I dropped a tree across the river, we've changed the flow of that river until it yeah, uh, and look what Mother Nature's doing right now. And this is what I wrote in a letter to the editor. Mm -hmm. I said that Mother Nature is the valve to a river. Yes, yeah. not, not an engineer's report. Yeah. But anyway, I got side I got sidetracked okay, on yeah. this. Just I it took my breath away when I was looking at the river here, yeah. and and, and uh, I'm blessed with having it behind me. And uh, and anyway, uh, I've been up here since I was a boy. I'm an avid hiker, and. Um, I, I walk lots from the forks of the credit up to the cataract. And I live in Erin. I've been living in Erin 42 years at the same place. And uh, do I like, and I fish not as much as I used to. Yep. Uh, and uh, matter of fact, hardly at all around here. I, I ended up on Georgian Bay on a boat. So, but, uh, but anyway, I, I've got a love affair with this river because I, I go back with it seven decades, obviously, you know? Yeah, it's a long and, time. And, and, and the legacy I want to leave for my kids and grandkids is exactly what I'm looking at, a nice, a nice trout stream, not something that's got the potential. I stress the potential to mutate wildlife downstream. And here's the part that really blows me away. Mm -hmm. down, down, I, I understand that there's people I stress might be using this river as a water source. In other words, there's a lot of people live right on the, right on the river down in Bell Fountain. Right. And uh, let's face it, their aquifer and their wells are right, right there at the river. Has it got the chance to, uh, I would think it has the potential to ingest some of those pollutants that we just talked about that weren't uh, yeah. taken, taken away by the uh, uh, filter process at the sewage plant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, mm -hmm. so anyway, uh, that's why I'm quite passionate about it. It's just, plus, I realize this is selfish. Uh, I love this little town, mm -hmm. and I, 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 I've, I've been in construction 50 years, which gives me, I'm gifted with being able to see what things look like down the road. I can look at blueprints, and blueprints, and I can tell you what the finished product looks like almost. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'm going to tell you what we've got here. If I blindfolded you and took you to Milton mm -hmm. and said, welcome to here and experience the charm, that's, that's what we're going to get here. Yeah. We're just getting paved. It's going to be paved right over. Just paved. So I take it you don't necessarily want Aaron to, to grow in the, in the, quite that same way. Exactly. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Because the proposals, uh, we don't have the infrastructure, the roads to get people out of this town. It's not like over in Nobleton, mm -hmm. which is a very similar population to this town, 
they were quoted the same numbers where it's going to cost this much to hook up. And yeah, and right now they're up to $55,000 per home. And our mayor is telling us it's about $8,000 for hookups. Like we're, we're not getting no true numbers. And mm-hmm. I, I was in construction. Do you know what it's going to cost me what? to hook up to this system? Between eighty and $90,000. Jeez. And well, as, we're, as we speak, as we speak, I'm getting away from all the noise out there, generators and trucks going. Um, I'm just installing a, a, a $10,000 generator system. Yeah. Because when the power goes out, I'm going to be on a sewage pump here. Well, right. if, you, if you've got a sewage pump, you need a generator. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, so anyway, they're costing me a... Jeez. Well, if I, if I have to hook up, we'll see where it all goes. I hope the whole thing is... I hope we have a new environmental assessment and people get their head a shake. And I'm going to tell you something, Mitch. Mm-hmm. I... I contacted the CAO and all board of directors of the Credit Valley Conservation Authority, and I said, how can you have the name conservation in your title, Credit Valley Conservation, and allow this atrocity to happen into this river? And then they come back with all these rebuttals at me saying, oh, it's all being tested here, and, you know, it's this is going to be state-of-the-art that's going in and all this. And I'm going to tell you, I was an electrician by trade for over 40 years. Majority of my career was fixing and reinventing state-of-the-art equipment, I, and that's true. Mm-hmm. Every, what looks good on paper doesn't necessarily come out when it starts to get applied. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and so anyway, I I'm against this proposed growth. That the the proposed growth, I realize we've got to have some growth, but they, what they're doing here is, is is ludicrous. And when I said about comparing it with Nobleton. There's a good example of how high their uh, costs have gone, and our, ours are going to go the same way. Uh, I mean, there's they're saying 126 million dollars for this plant. I, I'm saying it's going to have cost overruns of 130 percent. And and I saved these emails for my grandkids, and I I told the mayor, council, I, I'm saying it's 290 million dollars, and we're going and it's going to be five to six hundred dollars sewer charge every year. And meanwhile, I, you just pump your tank out for 500 bucks every six years now. And so look at the cost up there. Yeah. The ruining, just ru- the ruination of the town. That's a, and you'll see me you quoting that word in, in those uh, articles. And I'm going to make sure you get. Yeah, for if, sure. If, if you Google, well, I know how you do it. Yep. If you Google Wellington Advertiser Letters to the Editor. Oh, yeah. Just look for, I found just it. Look for, yeah, just look for my name at the bottom of Letters to the Editor. Yeah. Or... I think somebody told me you can punch up Ken Cowling here in Ontario protester, and I, I might get it. But you, you're, you've already got it anyway. Yeah. Are I, you computer? Are you computer literate, Rich? I am. I am. <laughs> I'd like to think I am. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm yeah, from Jura- I'm from I'm from Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh, when it, well, this is a turning point, you know. Like you say, like how can we risk, you know, that? Um, I'm looking at a picture of you wearing a sign that says "Say No to the Shit Show." Um, that would be me. <laughs> I love, I love that picture, and I love that line. I think that's amazing. Um, yeah, and if you notice, I put the eye sideways, so yes, I didn't say shit show. Totally, yeah, it, totally. That was, know, <laughs> I love it. It's amazing. Can, and as a matter of fact, I've got two of those signs made, and they're uh, they're out in my shop right now. And I, I when I protest at the site, yeah, I carry them, and another buddy carries one, and then we just carry some signs too, you know. But because of this Dan. Plandemic, I couldn't call it now. Yeah. Uh, oh, I tell you, if you 
yeah, I've done a, too much reading on it. Yeah. I got a real redneck buddy, and he says, "Here's what's causing it all." And I says, "Oh, you're nuts!" And I start reading <laughs> about it. No, I'm now I'm starting to go crazy. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I got sidetracked there. No, it's all good. It's all good. I love the sign. I think it's amazing. Like, do you, oh like, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I haven't been marching because of the COVID. That's what I was going to say. Oh, I got you. Okay. I haven't been marching because of the COVID because I didn't want and 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 uh, trust me. They're doing everything in our power, our council, to shut us guys down. So anyway, it's been a an interesting, interesting time. And I'm not a fly fisherman. I'm just a dedicated lover. Yeah. I, I, and I don't fish the, the credit. Yeah, well, I, I might get back to it. Yeah. But uh, I'm uh, I'm in love with the river just for its beauty and yeah. and, the, and the wildlife that's in it. Like I was over at that culvert. I'm going to give you an example. Yeah. The proposed affluent dump site which is on the wellington county side on the west side of that beautiful culvert yeah well my goodness i was just sitting there i actually spent the day there much oh yeah i i, I went over at eleven thirty, and i stayed till five thirty. i couldn't leave the place it was so beautiful oh man I know. And, and i stayed there and was i rewarded yeah ducks a ducks osprey a beaver swam by oh, wow. and you bet we can we, and here's the part that you're gonna like I couldn't believe that the, the trout were jumping behind that dam. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I thought, Jesus. But then I started looking out. Yeah. And when the sun hit it right, there's a hatch of some bug out there right now. And I guess that's brought some of these uh, uh, yeah. brook trout to the surface, you know. Yep. Looking for looking for bugs. That's You know, I was at that river, Mitch, at the 10th line bowstring bridge, and a young guy came in there. Mm-hmm with a fly fishing thing there. And I says, well, and I says, how do you do? And you'd be a, a guy about your age, I'd say. And yeah. I says, if I, let me get nosy. I want to watch this. He says, go ahead. And it, and it was a still day. So in other words, he, he wasn't duking it out with wind or anything. Yeah. Well, I, I was kind of shocked at how far he got it out. And as soon as he did it, he had a hit. I says, my <laughs> God. And uh, it was a fly that had on there. Yeah. And then he says, ah, oh, I missed him. So anyway, he says, oh, I'll, get, I'll head back there. Yep. And he threw it back out, and Mitch, it, it, it was like he, he put it right in the same bloody spot again. <laughs> and and this time he got it, and it was a little five-inch brook coat, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I love that. It's so beautiful. Oh, man. God. And so anyway, and, he, and so he kept at it, and we ended up with a nice chat, and a real avid outdoorsman, you know? And, yep. And uh, everybody I've been speaking to, Mitch, mm-hmm. And you, I hope you say this in the, in this podcast, man. I, 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 because of this COVID, when I went around on opening day, April twenty fourth, I, I went up right up to the fishermen that were in the in the river, and I says who I was. I says, with your permission, can I put this brochure under your windshield wipers? This, he said, yes, absolutely. And some of the people were in shock. Yeah. Because a lot of you fire fishermen. And this is why you should be commended yeah. because for having this podcast to wake people up to something like you won't believe the amount of people right in my little town that are oblivious because we, we have been deemed by Ryerson university and somebody else. We've got the most secretive town council in Canada. That's right. That's right from the media. No way. The most secretive in Canada. Jeez. And so <laughs> when you say something fishy, yeah something fishy. Ken's not joking, by the way. 
A quick Google search pulled up a bunch of articles about the secrecy of the Aaron Town Council. Yes, the town of Aaron was officially named the most secretive municipal government in Canada in 2020. The most secretive municipal government in the country. One article on Toronto.com wrote, It has become commonplace for the town of Aaron to refuse to be transparent with the media and therefore local residents on even basic matters of public interest. Local officials regularly avoid interviews with the media, insist all communications from media must go through a recently hired communications officer, and are only done via email. The town has even failed to inform the media on meetings where major decisions have been made. Something fishy? Seems like it. Ken's passionate drive to fight for the Credit River is incredible and inspiring, but he isn't alone. Along with the work being done by John and Dean, there are a number of organizations rallying to protect the credit. Um, John, what is the coalition of the West Credit? Uh, who are the members of, uh, of that? Okay, we've got uh, a couple of uh, community organizations. Um, uh, the Bell Fountain Community Organization. Interesting that we talked about stakeholder, stakeholder consultation. Bell Fountain and the town of Caledon is just downstream of the village of Erin, which sits in the, the uh, upper tier municipality of Wellington. So actually Winston Churchill Boulevard is the dividing line. And Winston Churchill Boulevard at the credit is actually where the effluent pipe is scheduled to be installed right on the municipal border. And as they say, you know what flows downstream. So the, uh, the, uh, the, citizens, the citizens of, of Bell Fountain are extremely concerned about that. So you've got that citizens organization, community organized BCO have been in existence for uh, you know, 20 plus years. They've taken a, a, a real interest in, in it. Then you've got um, another group that formed during the process called the West Credit River Watch. Again, mainly folks in the town of Calton, other side of Winston Churchill, you know, who are would be receiving this uh, stuff, this uh, sewage downstream. Uh, in addition to the, that group, you've got ourselves, sorry, Federal uh, Limited Canada, our chapter. You've got Dean's organization, Isaac Walton Fly Fishing Club. You've got the Ontario Rivers Alliance, which uh, is uh, an advocate for rivers across the province. And you've got uh, a group called Ontario Streams, who have the same sort of a mandate. Uh, and everybody's in it for protecting the, uh, the river. So we've come together. At times, it's been a bit like herding cats, but we've got a common voice. We make our decisions uh, by consensus. And, uh, you know, we, we've, been, uh, we've been busy at this for upwards of uh, five months now. I was going to say that some of the organizations we kind of ran into have been exceptional. Like I'd, I had not heard of the Ontario River Alliance before this, but they've really pulled some good weight and they've been exceptional. They really, and, and Ontario Streams as well. Um, so it's really been, I mean, if, if anything good comes out of this, you know, it is, it's going to be that, you know, these organizations have met each other and know each other by first name and are, you know, more primed to work together. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, um, and then when we come back, we'll talk more about uh, what's going on with the Credit River and, and how we can fight to protect it. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Gills Fly Fishing International. Gills Fly Fishing International provides the destination fly fishermen with the best personalized trip planning and booking experiences possible. And they run FFI Magazine, an online fly fishing magazine with articles from your favorite fly fishing writers. The magazine is filled with tips, trips, and tightline stories to get you jacked for your next adventure out on the water. Visit flyfishinginternational.com to learn more. That's flyfishinginternational.com. 
We're talking about w one thing, um, which is making sure that we're not impacting the the brookie population. But what other environmental impacts is this sewage plant going to be depleting? You know, um, I'm assuming it's not just one thing. I'm assuming it's a lot more. I mean, that could be a, a way that we can point out the other things that we should be, be being more sustainable, you know, and mindful of. I mean, like to me, it's kind of right. Like it seems like we have this old playbook. You put in a wastewater treatment plant, which has the technology that's been around for 15 years, and you build a subdivision, and you build a stormwater pond, and the stormwater pond overflows in the summer, and it dumps into the river, and everyone's parking lot and driveway dumps into the river, and the sewage plant dumps into the river, and we just have this model where we just keep doing this over and over again. And if you go and look at some of the subdivisions, like look at the ones around like 401 and Mississauga Road. Like they like you go go and look at some of those creeks, like they're 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 burned out runoff creeks, right? And and this is what we keep doing, and and this so it just seems like this is more of the same. And yeah, you could say well it's cheap and it's economical and we need to build as many houses as possible, but what you're doing with this is you're destroying like a like a really solid ecosystem, you know, some really nice wildlife that people enjoy you know people kayak there they bird watch there they fly fish there they take a lawn chair and sit in the river and drink beer you know what i mean like i've been fly fishing. and I've some people come and sit down right behind me <laughs> that's actually their... just how i fly fish <laughs> that's fine and like, you know I, I see people and i'm like i'm like that's awesome you know what i mean that's 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 their right and they have the yeah. right to do that but you're we're sort of wrecking this by developing it right and is there a way that you could you know have your cake and eat it too right is there a way to do that I don't know. Like, I would love to see, you know, the solution where, you know, the federal government kicks some money or or there's a, a rethinking of how we do these things mm -hmm. to develop and keep the natural environment there. That would be that would be a very positive thing. Yeah, you're right. It's like this terrible cycle, you know, like it's just like why we keep doing this over and over again. And this this is such a special place. Like, you know, you look at the city of Toronto, you look at other large municipalities. Where are they dumping their their affluent? Not that dumping to Lake Ontario or the St. Lawrence or you know the Don or whatever is is a great thing, but you do have the fact that you've got a large volume that can can buffer what's coming in, and the standards that they're held to are very rigorous. The water is pretty darn clean coming out of sewage treatment plants these days. Um, it's just that this situation is so unique given who the receptors, what the receptors are, brook trout in a cold water ecosystem. And it's such a small receiving body that the potential impact is, you know, could be devastating. And, and the way I always kind of describe it, these, uh, these plants, uh, whether it be a drinking water plant or a sewage treatment plant, any plant with human operators, you know at some point, the way I describe it, somebody's going to pull a Homer Simpson and push the wrong button and something's going to happen. Something's going to go... Something's gonna I'm happen. Waiting for that reference. Totally. <laughs> it's, it's gonna happen down. It's that's yeah. gonna happen downstream. Um, <laughs> but uh, good, we yeah. have to do everything we can in our power to to mm -hmm. to minimize what that impact might be if that that button is accidentally pushed. Yeah, it's a tricky one. But guys, you are doing an amazing job. You know, raising awareness of this whole thing and also fighting for um, fighting for the cause. And yeah, like change.org petition. I know it's amazing how many people have signed it and. Yeah, you're definitely making lots of noise and it's 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 awesome and thank you for doing that you know uh it's it's yeah, great to hats see hats off yeah 100 percent. 
Absolutely. I love seeing all the signs down. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, anybody, did you guys see those signs? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. a really good point. We didn't, yep. It's amazing. We, you know, I showed up, everybody's yeah. driveway's got to save our trout. You know, yeah. it's kind of funny when you think about it, like that, I don't think I've ever met any of those homeowners along the credit. I don't, I don't think any of them fish. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> I know. Because you can live there and not fly fish. <laughs> it's like live, you know, but um, but it's cool seeing, you know, people walking their dogs. And I think, you know, Yoma, that one woman was like, catch yeah, anything. She, I saw her again on Sunday. Oh, yeah. She was like, catch <laughs> she goes, anything. Yeah, she goes, yeah, you know, like. Did you sleep over? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's but, funny. And seeing the signs everywhere and save our trout. And I don't know. It's pretty cool yeah i think and um yeah absolutely and john i think you hit the nail on the head like why why is it important well it's pretty special mm-hmm. and if you go there you, you can understand why you know you see you see pictures in books and magazines about these beautiful fly fishing locations yeah and we've got one right here mm-hmm. like where you know uh, like an extraordinary one like i would say extraordinary yeah yeah, for sure. <laughs> like every time i go there i'm always like i can't believe how clear clear yeah. the water is like you want to talk about gin clear yeah mm-hmm. you know definition oh, yeah. of and and, and it's and it's right here one of the places you can go there's like a gravel pit and a dump up the hill and you drop down this river and you're in this river and there's brook trout in there and you're like how is this possible you know what i mean you're just like it yeah. just it just doesn't like yeah. you know it's just it it's it's amazing you know you're you're in urban 20 minutes later you're you're in this r- river and you could be anywhere yeah. you know what i mean you, you could, could be, be you could be like thousands of miles away from toronto it just it's it's amazing it's but it's right here well it's got such a great history Absolutely. too you know like geez it's almost like it should be like a heritage site or something like maybe that's a way we could protect this thing you know give it some sort of special heritage site powers <laughs> I mean, Hemingway wrote about it. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> literally, yeah. You know. I, yeah, literally. He, um, uh, if you if you go to our chapter website, we got a little bit of history of of, of our chapter. Uh, I'll mm-hmm. throw that in right now for for everybody. Uh, Greg mm-hmm. Clark. Uh, when I get uh, the email as secretary, they they call me Greg. I said, no, 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 I'm not Greg Clark. Greg Clark <laughs> was was a reporter. Yeah. Uh, 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 columnist for the Toronto Star, uh, about 35-year career uh, at the paper. And Hemingway, uh, Ernest Hemingway, came to the Star about 21, uh, 1921. I think he was 19 years old, getting getting some uh, training. Uh, they hooked up because they're both outdoorsmen, uh, hunters and fisher. And uh, Clark took uh, took Hemingway up to what I've you know, given what I've read, basically the forks. Yeah. And yeah. Clark was the... Uh, was the host, but uh, Hemingway definitely rocked his boat that that day and, and outfished him. He, uh, I guess he, he did have uh, uh, to, to go with his uh, good looks. So <laughs> anyway, the other, the other thing, the other thing about Greg Greg Clark uh, was that uh, again he was we named our chapter after him because he's uh, he was an ardent conservationist. So even back in the 30s and 40s, yeah, he'd like to take fish home for for a snack. But he also promoted catch and release. We don't have to keep them all lads. You know, we can put a few back, yeah. which was pretty much ahead of his time. And yeah. the other the other tidbit that's kind of interesting, I'm sure everybody's going to be nodding. Everybody got a tied a, a Mickey Finn once or twice, the old the old style bucktail streamer, Mickey Finn. I love that fly. It's one of my it's, favorites. Yep. It's it's yeah, a beautiful it's fly. It, it's it's a beautiful fly to tie. It's 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 simple. It's effective. Yeah. And originally it was called the Assassin. Just because it was so effective, and it was called the Assassin uh, by a, a club on the Mad River in Southern Ontario that Greg Clark, a, a member of. Yeah, I know the Mad River. Yeah, yeah, 
Uh, nice little Sorry. river. I haven't, I haven't <laughs> got the chance to fish yet, but uh, but Greg said the assassin's a good name, but uh, uh, a Mickey, a Mickey Finn is 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 how people would slip a little poison into somebody's drink, and uh, <laughs> uh, you know do a, do a little bit of a clandestine murder type of activity, but uh, so. Clark thought it was uh, yeah, a good play that he could call it uh, something other than the assassin. So Mickey Finn is what he, he he named it, and it's stuck ever since. So it's a pretty cool name. I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know, know that, that, that the Mickey that. Finn was named. Yeah, here. it's crazy. How amazing is that? Famous writers, conservationists, Hemingway. Hemingway fished and wrote about the Credit River. I mean, come on. How cool is that? I spoke with Joe, my uncle, and previous podcast guests from episodes 4, 8, and 67, more about the credit's history and his views on where it's headed. The credit in itself, also from uh, an angling literature standpoint, many authors, Vince Marinero, fished the credit. Uh, A lot of these angling authors, uh, famous angling authors from the States, when they would come to Ontario, they always sought out the credit to see what it was like and see what it was about. For me, that little bit of history and the history that surrounds the credit, uh, especially the West Branch, uh, is quite a wonderful feeling and a quite a unique thing for us to try and preserve, you know, uh, as well as the insects. You know, a lot of rivers in Ontario, like if you're a fly fisherman and you like fly, dry fly fishing like I do, a lot of the rivers in Ontario tend to be skewed more toward caddis. They have mayflies, but they tend to be more caddis-based rivers, which are fine. But if you read Halford, if you read all the great English authors and the concept of dry fly fishing, they are all partial to mayflies. I think in part because of the beauty of a mayfly and because of the different aesthetic that comes with that type of fly and fishing that kind of fly. And for me, the credit used to be a primarily a mayfly river with stoneflies. And then you were lucky if you used a caddis at all. Now, as the water quality degradates, degradates and changes and shifts, mayflies are starting to become less important. And the more marginal water quality insects are starting to become more important. So the caddis are starting to become more important, right? And those kind of insects are starting to become more important, which are fine. You'll still catch fish. It'd still be fun to skate a caddis. But old Halford will be rolling over in his grave. And that kind of bugs me a little bit. The potential, right, is lost. Like what it, what yeah. it was and what it could be. We Absolutely. Absolutely. So that just, just boggles my mind. It just, like I say, if you go to the American side and you, but they have a, a resource that they feel mm-hmm. is at risk, they will then, in not all cases, but they will build a fence around it and say, you know what, we've got to keep some of this so that it stays the same as good as it can. You know, they don't even know why, but they, they, they know that they have to do it. You know, I can always go back to the story that I, uh, you know, as much as I hate private property, I, I think private property is one of the most important things because it actually preserves a lot of these resources. You know, the Molsons used to own the St. John River on the Gaspé from its source to the ocean. And if they didn't, every person in Quebec would have eaten every salmon and there would have been none left. So as bad as it was that they, they didn't let people fish, it protected the resource. Ted Turner owned half of Montana. Fly Fisherman Magazine made him Angler of the Year because he posted half of Montana. Why? Because Not because he wanted to fish it for himself. It's because he felt it was important to preserve this great concept of what made America great. A lot of different interests come and go on the credit. What 
is the right interest for everybody, and that is to protect what's there. So that means the brook trout, and that means the quality of the water that they live in and the insects that they eat, and the trees that grow on the river. End of story. Anything else that you want to bring back, like the Atlantic salmon or the steelhead or all those things, those are all good ideas with good intentions, but let's put them on the shelf for now. Let's come back to look at the brook trout. Used to be you could walk down to the Forks of the Credit and you would have to, you know, you would catch 20 brook trout without even blinking an eye. State College, Pennsylvania, they have a stretch of water called Flyfisher's Paradise. And it's fly fishing only, but there's no wading allowed. You're not even allowed to wade, right? Yeah. And when you see that water, the behavior of those fish are like incredible because they're like the way they would be a thousand years ago, right? They're not afraid of people stepping on them. So they've preserved a piece of that river to be as, as pure as it could be so that we can experience what that's like. There's still lots of other water for people to fish. But I think as far as the West Credit goes, for me, it was my last hope. The West Credit had still a bit of that purity and wildness that the main credit used to have. And the West Branch has it, but it's now slowly starting to be encroached upon. And I think that they've got to figure out another way to address this, this sewage problem. I mean, it's, you know, you, you want to build houses, it's fine, but you're going to have to be more innovative than that. Mm -hmm. uh, because you just, you only have one river. You can't, you can't change that. You know, we need to protect the credit because the credit is what makes this part of the world in this area here important. And it makes it vital and it's going and it's going to be gone. You can still help in a bunch of ways. Firstly, the best thing you can do is to call the Minister of the Environment, Jonathan Wilkinson, and leave a message telling him you support the designation request for the wastewater treatment plant on the West Credit River. We'll put his number in the show notes. You can also donate to the cause, links to those fundraisers in the show notes. Apart from that, you can become an advocate for the river, take it seriously. Protest injustice, stand up for the fish, get others around you excited to do the same. How many times have we said it? This river is 40 minutes away from Toronto. If your non-fishy friends don't know about it, they probably want to, even just to hike, bike, or go for a walk in a beautiful area. And when they care about it like you do, they'll stand up for it too. And the more people who stand up to protect it, the better off it'll be. Thanks for listening to this special episode of SoFly, the fight to save the West Credit. So there's totally a show after the show.
thanks for listening to the episode. Um, I know it's a little bit different from what we're usually uh, putting out there, but we do have still uh, Mitchie's Fishies vibe that we did with Dean and John. I want to just say thanks again to both of those guys for coming on the show. Uh, You know, the work you guys are doing is amazing, and um, it was just great to get the chance to speak to you about it all. Um, Huge respect. So here's John and Dean's Mitchie's Fishies 5. So we've got five questions every show that we ask every single guest. Um, They're called Mitchie's Fishies 5 because they're just five kind of general questions about fly fishing and stuff. Uh, We've kind of tweaked a couple of them today to be uh, sort of about the credit for you guys. It's like a special thing. Uh, but I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask both of you. You have to answer, right have to answer at the same uh, time. No, and don't, don't, don't we'll do see that. what you guys say. So, <laughs> no, no, don't answer. At the same. Okay. No, John, that's so confusing. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> Dean, we'll start with you for this first one. Uh, and it doesn't have to be brook trout, but you know, what is your favorite fish and why? If you had to pick a favorite fish. <laughs> oh man, no brainer. No brainer. Yeah, so yeah. I'm 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 a hundred percent gonna say brook trout. Um, yeah, and I think that so so first off, it was actually one of the first fish that I caught on the fly. So when I started nice. fly fishing, you know, I was in the credit, and I was kind of I didn't really know what I was doing. I actually went eleven months without catching a fish when I first started fly fishing, completely yeah. self taught, and I was kind of stubborn that way. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, I had those things where I you know lift up my nymph and I had like a minnow on there, and maybe one of them <laughs> you know was a trout or something. But yeah. the first fish I caught was in the, the Rocky Saugeen, and I remember being there, and I'd, I'd, it's been 11 months, and it was September, it was the end of the season, and I had, uh, you know, one of my favorite flies on, which is a, a Gordon's Quill, or a uh, Quill Gordon, also sometimes called a Mosquito, it's only Grizzly Hackle, it's an amazing fly. Oh, nice. And I was, and I was going along, and I was just, I, was kind of, I just said, you know what, I'm not going to even try to catch fish. And I yeah. was just putting it in different spaces. And I came up to this riffle with a bubble line and I was, you know, eight inches out of the bubble line. And then I was two inches out of the bubble line. And then I was right in the bubble line and smash a brook trout yeah. took it. And I picked up my rod and it was the first, I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And I picked up this, <laughs> this rod and this brook trout was squealing. I, I could barely get my net. I was so excited. And I got in the net and I was like, wow. And then you look in the back of this thing and it's just like yeah. brownie, wormy, yeah. like neon blue. And you're like, Oh my God. And then you turn yeah. it over and it's, it's got this, like, it looks like a cheetah. It's got like, you know, yeah. bright red spots with blue around them. And it's just the most beautiful thing you could imagine. And then boom, you let it go and that's it. And it's, and then you're hooked. Then that, that's it. Game over, man. Like you're, yeah. you're, you're a lifer, you know? And so, so for me, it was the first fish and I actively pursue them in the credit in Algonquin yeah. park. Like that's it yeah. for me, you know? I love that first fish story. That's such <laughs> yeah. a good way of like just freaking out, you know. That's yeah. how it always yeah. goes, right? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. John, what what about well, you? What's your favorite fish and why? If you if you had yeah. to pick one. Yeah, t- totally totally agree. The brook trout is where my heart is at. Uh, I was yeah. a long time hardware fisher. I've only taken up fly fishing since retirement, last five years or so. So I'm I'm pretty uh, used to get pretty stoked on big Lakers this time of year, big big pike, uh, like like the big fish, the big fight, uh, the big lines, the big lures, and yeah. figured I would slow slow things down a little bit. I, I'd like to do something on my own. What's this Credit River? Oh, there's supposed to be some brook trout up there. Uh, first couple of times I went out, got absolutely skunked. Of course, I was not in the, the most productive I was uh, productive uh, location in the river. Somebody yeah. said, ah, you should try around Highway 24. And again, having yeah. the, the benefit of being retired, I can go out midweek. So nobody's seeing my my casting yeah. mistakes, <laughs> my flag and my flying around, my just, you know, smacking and whacking water everywhere. <laughs> Finally figured 
helped me out with a with a parachute atoms threw it on got my first book brook trout and, and same kind of experience i don't think you yeah. you, you, you could either be you know six or 66 which is in the yeah. case what i am and i just i just about crap my pants what a what a little beautiful <laughs> piece of jewelry and it was like eight eight inches long it could have it could have been yeah. a whale it was a native you know cold yeah. water brook trout they're, they're real deal just gorgeous thing so I don't know how many I've caught since in the, in the ensuing years, but every time it's just a thrill. Yeah. And I think they've gone from three or four inches up yeah. to about 12 oh, or 14 yeah. and I'm well, happy as a clam. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Oh man. I love, I love, uh, the brook trout of that. Oh river. yeah. Jeez. I mean like, you know, how much fun was that? You know, we, we, you know, like I said, we had a pretty good day. And I love that you're. I mean, we like, got broken off by some massive fish, which was yeah. like awesome and heartbreak and 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 heartbreaking. But but then we, uh, you know, we were both looking at each other. We we're like, oh man, we gotta go. We gotta go to the West Credit and do some and do some brookies. And we got there, and they were all it's, just like, you know, that's just so spunky. They're like, yeah. they're, they're like it's, rising, and you're just like, man, brook trout. Hilarious. It's, it's bizarre. <laughs> one, one of the yeah. one of the guys who I learned to fly fish with, he took his like now wife, then girlfriend to the to the you know to the credit upper credit, and and he was fishing. He's like, look at this. He's catching these little fish, and she's like, this is what you come here to fish? These like hand sized fish? And he's like, yeah, it's amazing, yeah. isn't it? And it's like and like if you don't, if you like, you either get it or you don't. You know what I mean? Like you either yeah, you yeah, either yeah. like fishing for small trout or you don't. And and yeah. and Ontario, a lot of it is a small trout game. And if you like that mm-hmm. type of thing, if you like like I don't know, like the the walk in the river and presenting oh, the yeah. fly Big and thing. seeing the take, if you like that, then like brook trout's a game. Yeah, and yet, you know, for people listening, you know, you know, from America or whatever that haven't been up here, and Mm -hmm. or from Ontario, like it's not a big stream; it's a pretty small stream. So beautiful, you know, a lot of overhanging brush. So it's like it's a really beautiful, lush place to fish, and 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 you know, and you're, I don't know, brook trout are like they're they're the Ontario trout, you know. I mean, so are Lakers, but you know, you know, I'm trying to say everybody. (laughs) I love it. There are native species, right? So. Yeah, I love it. Oh yeah, so that fiber, you know, fiberglass rods and bamboo. It's like yeah, it's like yeah. another, it's another, it's another reason to love brook trout. Yeah, hundred percent. No, great, great answers. I totally gotcha. Um, okay, number two is which season is your favorite on the Credit River? So if you had to pick a season, you guys are saying brook trout are your favorite fish to fish for. So maybe it's closer to the spring, but you know, I mean, assuming the whole stretch of the Credit. Any time of year, what is your favorite time on the river? Sure, yeah, John, let's, go, let's sure. start with you. Yeah. No, that, that that is a good one. I mean, any time on the river is a good time. Um, yeah. The, uh, we we do have instances. Again, we we talked a little bit about temperature where things can get too warm on the credit. So, uh, last number of Julys and part, portions of August have really been too cold. You should uh, you know give it up for the day, go somewhere else. Uh, totally. Another another species, but. For me, I love September. No bugs. It's cool. No, uh, very rarely there's somebody out mm-hmm. there. I again midweek. There's basically no one on the river. Uh, yeah. And I particularly love that that last day in September, last day of the season. If it's a nice day yeah. like it was this past year, go right to dark and just drink it in the sunset. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, caught a fish and and it was mm-hmm. perfect. So I would definitely say a little, little cooler, but not too cool. The water's mm-hmm. uh, water is cooling up and you know they're getting ready to spawn um, yeah we're close to that magic time 
I love it. That's a great time of year. Dean, how about, how about you? Yeah, and I, was, I mean, not to cop out, but I was going to say the same thing. I, I actually yeah. <laughs> kind of make a bigger deal out of the end of the season than I do the beginning of the season. I yeah. sort of feel like the last couple of days in September when that upper credit river is open, I'm usually fishing for brook trout. Yeah. And I just find, like, the fish are so colored up. Like, if you get a yeah. male fish and it's got, like, start, starting to get the, you know, the, the, the hook in its yeah. jaw and its bright red belly and it's got the white fins, it's just, it's yeah. amazing. And then, and then I also find you get some really neat hatches, like the, the credit sort of gets this grass that grows up around it, and you'll mm-hmm. get you know gro- you'll get hoppers in there, you'll get beetles in there. I had one day, one night I was there in the credit, I had a flying ant hatch, and like oh, everybody yeah. was eating. I don't know what's in flying ants. It's black flying ants. Yeah. Everything eats them. Like it's not. It's, you, I looked at there were seagulls all <laughs> yeah. over the place, and I was like, yeah. and I'm looking at my body. I didn't have a flying ant, but I had a black caddis, and man, I caught the two biggest brook trout I've ever caught that oh, one awesome. night within five minutes of each other on this black caddis. And and oh, like, like seagulls, you name it, was eating these flying ants, and it was <laughs> unreal. You can't predict the hatch. I think they just come out whenever they come out, but it was fantastic. Oh mm. man. Yeah, how can that sounds like an amazing day? Oh my god, that does sound like an amazing day. That is one. It's a good thing to note that you know, yeah. like those eager little brook trout. Like you can, you can have a great day hopper fishing. You don't really hear about Southern Ontario hopper mm. fishing. We're not like in Montana, you know, but. That is definitely a place yeah. where it can go down. Oh yeah, and and you get and you get the right breeze, particularly if you get a nice windy day and you have those long grasses along the river. Like stuff falls yeah. out of there into the river, and like brook trout aren't shy; they smash They're things. It's like it's like the bass of trout. Yeah. You know what I mean, they come around and smash it. You know, it's amazing. Yilma had mentioned the trico hatch. If we're talking bugs now, yeah. Uh, in in August, that can be phenomenal. I I really finally when I say figured it out. I guess I should tie on one of these little tiny twenty twenty twos. So a little bit of luck, a couple of little light tails and man it was just for about an hour and a half just constant action it was uh yeah it was just thrilling just thrilling yeah and yeah, clouds oh yeah, God, clouds yeah <laughs> just clouds of trichos yeah wow i'll have to i have to figure that one out i've never i have not seen that one yet i'll have to figure that one out it's insane. I, and yeah. I usually find in August it's kind of warm to fish. Like normally in August, like you got to check, you got to get a cooler day or check your temperatures. You know, I'm sort of, I've started, I've, I've started to go for bass and stuff like that on the fly rod because I just want to, you know, have a yeah. bigger season and not harass the yeah. trout. You know, give them some absolutely, time. Mm-hmm. absolutely, a hundred percent. Yeah, the the trico hatch is, oh yeah, trico hatch is so fun. <laughs> yeah, Yelma, we were we were list. Caught yeah. a ton of fish on that trico hatch. Remember that with, yeah, uh, with Joe, Joe there? We were just like the fish go oh, crazy. So yeah. They go nuts for like you know a half an hour, forty minutes, an hour, a couple hours kind of thing, you know. And then, yeah. and then they just shut off. It's just done. Yeah, just gone. It's like where the hell did they go? They just disappear. Yeah. You know, the river's it, flooded with them. It was and pretty they, crazy. And it's a it's a day hatch. It's like in broad daylight in the sun, or is morning. it in the evening? Morning. 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 Yeah. Morning. Morning. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And like, it was pretty wild. Actually, it's, it's funny. As a Dean, like. You know, J- uh, Mitch's uncle Joe showed us, a, you know, how to fish it, and I was like, "Get there before dawn." And then, like, as the sun comes over this tall cedars, you can see them like go, like you see clouds of them, right? And then, as the sun keeps going, like, like it, the cloud gets smaller and smaller depending on the angle of the sun, and then until uh, you know, if the river's in full sun, then they're all gone. It was kind of interesting. It's like a, it was pretty yeah, cool. It was. It's yeah. Pretty, 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 pretty. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I, I love that, man. You know, fall's a great a great time to be out fishing, and it makes a ton of sense for, for the credit. Um, okay, number three. We'll start with you, Dean. What is one of your best or favorite credit river fishing memories? One of your fave memories from the river over the years. Oh, man, I wish it, so that the flying ant hatch had to be up there. 
with like, yeah. my, <laughs> That's pretty, one of my, pretty good. you know, cause like I saw it and I figured out what was going on and I got two fantastic fish. Um, I'm trying to think other, other than that, um, you know, I I'll, I'll pass this one to John. Give me a second, because I sort of give it a, sort give of some thought. Spent yeah. that one already. Yeah, yeah. Give it some thought, John. You, you got one ready to go. Oh, okay. John, how about okay. you? Okay, De that's yeah, definitely this past uh, fishing the West yeah. Credit, um, and uh, having having good luck on on uh, on some uh, floating flies. And uh, yeah, yeah, they weren't rising, but they were coming up. I mean, if, if a brook trout's hungry. It's still a challenge, but if they're hungry, they're gonna they're gonna take a lot of different things. And yeah. a fish, and I knew right away he was a good fish, no no doubt about it. And you know it's it's uh, of course catch and release, barbless hook, uh, fly fishing only. Got him close. I got him really close. I had the net out, and and as soon as I saw him, I said that's the biggest brook trout. If I get him in the net, I'll have ever caught. And and I did the old that the, the the rod is up, the net is down. He's like six inches away, and I know he was fourteen inch trout. I just know he was a fourteen inch trout. And of course, you know what happens? Where did he go? He's <laughs> off. How the heck did he get off? I had tension on, on, on the line. And yeah. wait a sec, there he is. He swims away about three or four feet, and he's just yeah. hovering there, that far from my boot. And I look and I look and I go. Despite the refraction and you know the magnification, that's a fourteen-inch brook trout. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you outsmarted me somehow, buddy. And I swear to God, he kind of looked over his shoulder and just kind of flipped me the finger. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, he had the he had the better result in that one, but it was it was pretty cool. It was it was really exciting. Um, you know, my average special. my average brook trout up there is uh, you know maybe eight inches or yeah, so. Yeah, caught a, few, caught a few twelve inches, but this this was a this was a beautiful. That's a, That's nice a really nice That's fish. A nice sometimes, fish. sometimes the best stories are the ones that got away. Oh, so big time! Yeah, <laughs> and he did. He he did. Yeah, I love that good story. Dean, did you did you did you crack? Yeah, one? so I, I mean, I, I I got another one that's uh, kind of interesting. It's more of a story than like one of the, something that happened to me, but. I was fishing, um, you know, where the, I guess, like, can I say the name of the spot or is it, is that we're going to hotspot this place? It's, I mean, it's, it's the, it's the, it's the, so I was downstream of, yeah. and there's a place there where there's a, there's a bunch of willows and there's like the willows are in the water and there's all this like garbage that's pushed in there. Like, you know, a couple tires and some shopping carts. So yeah. I, come, <laughs> I come along, I'm fishing downstream and I, and I just, I just sort of walk past there and I turn around and look up. And something comes out of the willows that was like three, like this thing was like three feet. Comes out of the willows, like yeah. big shadow, like three feet shadow, goes over, takes something off the surface, and then goes back into the willows. And I was yeah. like, oh my God. And I stood there and I, I sat there for maybe five minutes and it came out and it came out and it came like this thing three feet long comes out, takes something off the surface and goes back into the, into this like willow jam. And I was like, yeah. oh my God. And I couldn't actually, I actually got out of the river because I was a little bit afraid. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah. I was like, things like that live in this river. And I actually yeah. got out of the river. And then I was too, I had a three weight or something. I was too afraid to throw at it. You know what I mean? I was yeah, like, yeah, wow. Yeah. Like I, I, I actually think it might've been, I, when I first saw it, I thought it might've been like a like a yeah. pike or a muskie or something like that because i know yeah. that, again it's kind of a soup 
Yeah. Um, but that was one of the, like, the only time I've actually been scared out of the river was that one time. And I didn't throw at it. <laughs> and I, I guarantee you it lives in there because you can't get it. It's in yeah. this, like, mess of willows where the, where the current pushes right into the willows. And it just comes yeah. out and smashes things whenever it wants to. And people told me they thought maybe it was a brown. But I was like, man, that was a huge brown. Like, <laughs> yeah. It was huge. Maybe, man. Like, maybe it was just a huge so anyways, brown. Yeah, maybe it was just yeah, a I don't giant know. I mean, brown. It's, it, when it, when someone when I talked to someone, they said, "Well, if it took something off the surface, it's probably a trout." But I was like, "I don't know, man. Like it was pretty yeah. big. Like it was. I didn't I didn't want it on my three weight. Put it that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't break my rod. I love yeah. it. That's good I love seeing stuff like that. Monster. Stuff that's scared. You're fishing and you get scared by something. You're like, oh man, it's so fun, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> I love it. John, we'll start with you on this one. Why do you fly fish? Why Why do you fly fish at all? Yeah, you think I prepare for this question, uh, having heard you guys <laughs> ask so many times. But uh, no, it's a great question, and uh, I think it's pretty much the the stock the stock answer. It it puts me somewhere that I that I really want to be, that I get a, a lot of uh, comfort out of. Uh, it it uh, it soothes my soul, and uh, it uh, calms me down, and it keeps me focused on the task at hand it's it's singular when you're fishing you don't have to think mm -hmm. about the stuff you left uh, back in the city you think about where you're at and then it's also important at the same time to focus but also look around and see you know it's it's not just the fish it's where i am it's the setting so it's a combination yeah. of the setting and and the and the ability to catch a native fish uh self-reproducing brook trout that 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 makes it special for me to go out I love that. Yeah, that's a great answer. Yeah. Dean, how about how about you? Yeah, for for me it's kinda of, kinda of along the similar line. It's it's sort of about the experience. Like as you know, growing up as a kid I, I, I always liked, you know, you know, catching frogs and catching snakes and catching turtles and as you get older it becomes less and less acceptable to kinda of do that. But then you go and you stand in these rivers that are in the most you know, some of the most beautiful places you can imagine and you, and you you put your hand in the river and it's cold and it's clean and and you know there are these really nice fish really beautiful fish in the river and like i just want to stay there forever but you can't and then for a short period of time you get to get in the water and you get to pretend to be part of their world and you get to throw them a fly and if you're good enough you're enough of their world that you they believe it's real and they take it and just for that that instant i get to be part of the world part of the river part of the fish and and to me that's like a really really unique experience yeah 100 percent. absolutely 100%. it's one of the best answers mm -hmm. i've heard yeah, yeah i was just about to say yeah. no offense john i mean like i'm, no. I'm with you too it's john, really romantic but like i was like <laughs> that was I think primo. You run for office with that speech yeah, yeah. beautiful <laughs> and beautiful. exactly yeah, i know exactly what you mean like it is yeah. it is cool to get to be part of you know that world it's fun too you know like it's just a fun thing mm-hmm yeah, it is fun. It is fun. Was that woman in Indiana, Mitch? She was just like, I, I care about the river because it's fun. Is that okay? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, totally, <laughs> I love yeah. that sound yeah, bite. Yeah. And it's like, like, have fun going to the like, river. Is that okay it's like with everybody? When you, when, you, when you go fly fishing, like, you actually get in the river. It's like you're not on a yeah. boat or in the bank. Like, you get in the river with the fish. And you and, and you and yeah. you walk with them like it's 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 a really really mm -hmm. amazing thing that that you know I take everyone who I've taken fly fishing I really like to take people who go fly fishing 
you know, it's been like, yeah. wow, this is really neat. You know, this is a really, really neat experience. Mm -hmm. Even if you're not fishing, you're just walking in the river. You know, it's really beautiful yeah. and it's really calm and it's really peaceful. You know, and it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a great experience. And, to, you know, to learn to do that and be able to do that close to your home is, is fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, you know, whatever, it saves your soul or something. I don't, don't know. Yeah. It does totally. save your soul. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I was going to say, trust me. I'm like, oh, you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely does save your soul. Um, okay, number five and the last of the credit Mitchie's Fishies five for you guys is, uh, Dean, we'll start with you. If you were a fly pattern, what would you be? If you were a fly, what, w what would be Dean? <laughs> All right, so um, the um, – like I said, the first fly I caught my fish on was a was a quill gordon, which is also known as yep. a mosquito. Okay, it's a very yep. simple, mm -hmm. very classic dry fly pattern, and it actually uses one material, only one material, yeah. which is grizzly hackle. It's got a grizzly hackle tail. It's got a quill yep. grizzly hackle body. It's got a grizzly hackle hackle, and it's just so simple, yeah. and it floats really well, and everything eats it, and you don't have to worry about the color. You just got to change the size. And it's it's a to me it's a it's a wonderful simple easy fly. I love that. That's such a I've, we've never heard that one before. Quill Gordon. Very rarely get dry flies. Yeah. 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 I have one of those in my box actually. That's a great. It's a great answer. Yeah. I need to get some. I don't think I've ever fished with one. I might have one in my box. When you say all grizzly, I think I I think I know what yeah. you're talking about. I think Joe gave me one. I like that. I like that answer. It's cool. John, if you were a fly pattern, what would you be? What would John be in the fly box? <laughs> a, a little bit traditional, a little bit updated, but uh, on the same yeah. track as uh, as Dean, a lot of grizzly in a traditional Adams dry fly. Um, nice. Again, I, given my age and eyesight, uh, I like to <laughs> I like to throw something on the surface that I can yeah. see. Hence, I've kind of graduated at times to a to a to a parachute atoms it's uh yeah. you know that that parachute makes it even easier to see but uh mm -hmm. i like the tradition of a hackle hackle wing yeah. uh, atoms and again a few more materials but again basically grizzly is 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 where it's at that that speckled grizzly hackle and a little bit of tail uh it's done done me well uh probably hasn't been as productive if, if i'd uh, or been more productive if i'd thrown on some uh, some nymphs or streamers but uh, that classical pattern, uh, it, it does me just just fine when I'm out there. I love that classic and I'm kind tradition. Of an old, yeah, yeah, love it. Old, old pattern yeah. from old guy. I love it. I can totally, I can totally. I think that's a great fly, man. Like, I love the the yeah the timeless. It's a timeless fly pattern, you know. It's timeless. It's 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 timeless for a reason. But I do love the parachute version. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I have so much confidence in that fly. <laughs> Hundred yeah. percent. That's it for the Mitchie's fishies, guys. That's that's all the Mitchie's fishies, and and that's kind of it for the show. I mean, like, uh, yeah. I just want to say again, you know, like, uh, thanks again for doing all this stuff. Like, this is a lot of work and big thing to take on, a big effort to take on. I know it's probably, you know, keeping you up at nights thinking about this stuff because it's it's a difficult topic and you know it's a ton of work. So thanks again, and thank you both for coming on the show. It's been a blast chatting and just right. getting to talk about fishing too. You can find all of our content at SoFly.ca. Reach out via email by sending your questions or comments to info at SoFly.ca. Find us on Instagram at the SoFly Crew. Thanks for listening.